Hello and welcome, or welcome back, uh, to We're Not Singing Anymore. This is three of us, three mates, all in different parts of the country, all locked down in isolation. We have a passion for football, but also a passion for music, be that soul, blues, rock and roll, country, gospel, you name it. We've got no gigs to go to. We've also got no matches to go to. So every week we get together and rather than just talk and moan and groan about life in isolation, we come, we pick a theme and we come armed with a story or a memory or just something to, to laugh at. And in this particular half, we talk about uh, music because the pods are split into two, two halves and they're published in two halves. This one is about music and uh, we all always bring a track to illustrate the story we're going to tell. And in fact, at, uh, at the end, and if you uh, find the podcast uh, online, you'll find there should be a link to Spotify where there's a three track playlist that goes with this week's uh, topic. So we're here to talk about music and uh, well, let's get going. Okay, so here we are back again for part two of our uh, of our pod this week. Um, I just before we get into anything really, um, over these uh, isolation podcasts, we've 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 celebrated quite a few artists who've passed away. Um, all equally great, all of them, um, but it would be inappropriate for us at this time and this week because it's third of June and. The world is a strange place at the minute. But amongst those uh, people we've acknowledged their passing, Bill Withers, Little Richard, and effervescent uh, Millie Small, to name but three. Um, we're not political, we don't want to be political, and, but we, we can't really be silent, can we, when we are celebrating popular no. music like we do. So we do, I, I suggest we simply make the point that Black Lives Matter, as I say. We might not have anything useful to say on this subject, but we should at least say that because we yeah. don't know that to be true. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, um, anyway, the topic that we've, we are, <laughs> again, thinly trying to drag something out of as the weeks go by. This week's topic is uh, is uh, milk and cream, which is, which is my... Uh, my long-standing theory, that any, and particularly apply it to, to music, although we've just applied it to football, and that is that at any point in time, there's a lot of music out there, new bands come along, and you think, God, this is all great. Be it punk or rock and roll, punk, soul, you think they're great, they're great bands, I've got to collect stuff. But over time, you look back and you think, well, there are a couple of good albums there, but really, they weren't really the class, they were, they were cream, they were milk, which is good, and milk's good, and, but only a few appear to have the greatness that you think, yeah, they, they were the real deal when I heard them, and they're still the real deal, at least when they got to the final parts of the career. So, so with that theme, uh, which we all try to work something on, let me just get a quick synopsis of, uh, from all, each of you, what, you, what you're going to talk about. So, uh, Charlie? Uh, two singers uh, and songwriters, for that matter, um, one, of which, one of whom reached a, a fever pitch, oh. and another who did not want to be a juvenile delinquent. 
<laughs> Very good. There you go. Tony? I'm going to talk about the godfather of Britpop okay. and a local girl who, really talented local girl, and when I mean local, I mean Leeds, who, um, for one reason or another, never quite fulfilled early promise. Right. And I'm I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to talk about uh, some some folk that hailed from the uh, from the northeast, oh. and uh, some folk who who uh, who have a connection with uh, well what what can I say an an adult adult toy from from um, it's not very indelicate, this, uh, from a, a William Burroughs model. Novel, oh. I mean to say, not a model, a novel. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, so that's mine. So that's, uh, that's, that's some gents from the Northeast and, and some other gents who, who masquerade under the name of a William Burroughs novel sexual aid. There you go. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, that, I find it before the watershed. Yeah. Is it going out before nine o'clock? Uh, well, I, I, I might have to put a PG parental guidance on this one. Yeah. No, I don't think I will. And I think I've probably given a clue as to what I'm talking about, but there you go. So, who's up first? Uh, moi. Charles, come on yeah. then. Oh, tell me when um, you want uh, your piece of okay. playing. Yeah, do. we'll do. Um, I'm going to talk about two people who um, probably didn't have the opportunity to get to real cream, mm -hmm. start off as milk, and that's simply because of um, uh, life being snuffed out oh. um, at, at a young age. So I just wanted to, to talk about these, uh, these two guys. Um, now, people might know one of them, Frankie Lyman, who was part of a group called Frankie Lyman and the, uh, the, the Teenagers, uh, through just one song, but they, they, had, they had others. And Frankie, as the lead singer, uh, had a really tragic life. Um, so this, this isn't happy hour, <laughs> shall we say, but, but lots, lots of, uh, uh, I think, things which are about, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's marvellous. So, uh, if you play the, uh, uh, the yeah. Frankie line. Yeah, here it, here it comes. There we are, a bit of doo-wop. Doo-wop. Back in the day. And, and I, I just think with that song, without people realising it, they could go along to a wedding do or, or whatever. That might come on or they hear it on the radio. I haven't got a clue who, who 
wrote it or recorded it probably, but they know the song. Mm. Uh, just one of those ones that's been like a classic long and long lasting. Now, the, so I'll, I'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, the other character is Little Willie John, who sounds as if he should have been a, a winger for Selwick. Um, <laughs> but again, um, something, something fairly tragic uh, happened with him, of his own making, I should add, but there we go. Uh, now, I'll put this in context with the, people have heard a, a, a lot about the, uh, or know about the 27 Club, you know, th those people who snuffed it, part of their oh, yes. more oil at age 27. And in amongst that lot was Jimi Hendrix, Brian Jones of the Stones, Jim Morrison of the Doors, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, Janis Joplin. And possibly the last one in the club was, uh, was sadly Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all succumbed uh, to something either through substance abuse, alcohol, uh, or the consequences of one or other or both, yeah. uh, and th this this sadly is the, the tale with with these these two people. Um, now, looking at it as the the two of them, tra tragedy is just the common denominator. Uh, little Willie John died at the age of thirty, but worse still, Frankie Lyman died at the age of twenty five, yeah. and. Frankie and the, uh, the teenagers, as they were, had a hit uh, with Why Do Fools Fall In Love. Would, would you like to take a, a guess, possibly, at how old Frankie was at the time? It was in 1956. He was 14. 14? Wow. <laughs> uh, and over the next year, uh, it's important to, to emphasize the, the 14 because over the next year they released around 645s. Um, so some some pressure and quite a schedule there to, to maintain. I don't know whether he missed school. <laughs> uh, and another one that he did was, um, or they did, was uh, I'm, I'm not a juvenile delinquent, which is somewhat ironic because a few years later he, he was arrested actually in 1966, um, a couple of years before he died, on a heroin charge. Oh. Uh, so I, I look at this, you know, from the point of view of, my God, somebody who's, who's 14, and he actually part wrote Why Do Fools Fall In Love at age 14, uh, along with some of the other lads within, within the group. Interestingly, bearing in mind we're talking about 1955, 56 or whatever, when I was looking stuff up, the teenagers are still at work <laughs> and must be still called the teenagers, you know. Uh, so what was, was, was Frankie exploited? Was he immature emotionally, uh, too young to handle it all, you know, from the age of 14? And the thing was, about a year or so later, he went solo, you know, so he goes from 14 and he's suddenly a, a the solo artist at 16, 17, astonishing. So that's why I think, wow. you know, is the exploitative bit, you know, nudge, nudge, Frankie, you can make it on your yeah. own. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're the face, you're the voice, etc., etc. When he died, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just preface that because when I mentioned about uh, this heroin bust, Again, in terms of what, what's happening in, in his life, he uh, had went to court 
But what happened was, uh, instead of a, a jail sentence, uh, he was drafted into the army. How that worked, God only knows. So that's now whether whether that's around about the time you know Vietnam and they were looking yeah. to kind of push people into service and all the rest of it. But maybe typically he went AWOL to do gigs and got a dishonorable discharge. Now, a downward path, early age, as I say, whether he was exploited, whether he couldn't handle it, whatever, but he was found dead, floor of his grandmother's bathroom, uh, a syringe oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. by his side, uh, a heroin order, so, uh, by, you know, so a squalid and sad end. Uh, there's a continuing story that I read about uh, after his death over money and royalties, which, you know, and some strange issues about who he was married to and, you know, whether he was divorced and et cetera, et cetera. So a, a, a colourful life. But I, I still come back to this 14-year-old kid, yeah. you know, in this, this, this fabulous song and classic doo-wop that he could actually uh, put that out. And he was highly influential with uh, people like Jackson Five, Smokey Robinson, Beach Boys, all, all acknowledged that he that he he had a, a, an influence on them. And I'll just I'll just finish here with uh, uh, it was even went to Joni Mitchell because Joni Mitchell she had a live album called Shadows and Light, which is an excellent album. Uh, and what she did was she used a sample of. Uh, I'm not a juvenile delinquent, and she melded it together with the dialogue from the film of uh, Rebel Without a Cause. So there was something there about songs speaking, context in which you, you could use them. And then there's a performance of Why Do Fools Fall in Love on the, uh, on, on the album. It's, wow. it's a live one, it was actually recorded in Santa Barbara. Uh, and she she does that with the persuasions who are doing the do wop stuff with yeah. it, fabulous, you know. I, I I think I think the image of everything you've said there because I've I don't know about you Tony my my jaws sort of dropping open here really. Mm. Uh, it's, the most okay. vivid image is 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 Auntie Gertie, at, at, you know Auntie Gertie at, at the wedding reception going. Singing along to this thing and yeah, 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 and going oh, that's that little old pop song, isn't it? You know, um, and behind it is a almost incredible, unbelievable picture of well, everything that's probably bad about rock and roll and, and, and yeah, in many yeah. in many respects. And uh, who knows about it? Nobody. I yeah. certainly didn't know that at all. Yeah, no. and and maybe that's the thing with it, Jeff. You know, is just putting your uh, your 50p in the jukebox yeah. and what do you get out of it? Something which is just, you know, you don't need to know about that. No, of course not. No. But nevertheless, if you, if somebody wants to sort of say, I wonder who that was. Yeah. And you you did go on something like Wikipedia, you'd be, it would be, it would be dropping <laughs> to it. it uh, so let's pick up in a minute then. Let's, uh, let's pick up your second, second artist. Great, interesting that Charlie, and you, and of course there was your second uh, artiste. Yes, uh, tragedy. M maybe that should have been his me song choice. <laughs> Who did that? The Bee Gees or something. Bee Gees. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, 
Miz will play the music, Jeff. Okay, yeah, we'll do. Because it's, 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 it's immediately relevant. Again, Fever, um, an absolutely classic song, being in the R&B pop canon, call it what you want, mm. for so many years. Uh, and Little Willie John was the first guy to record it. He didn't write it, but he, he did write other stuff. Um, and people know it through Peggy Lee. So he had a hit with it in 1956. She had a hit in 1958. Changed the arrangement on it, and whichever record company she was with at the time spent more money on it. Um, and maybe that uh, starts to tell you something about you know starting points for mm -hmm. for artists like uh, like Little Willie John and about budgets and so on. But impact, no matter what the cost, I prefer that version to Peggy Lee's, and mm -hmm. I love Peggy Lee version there's a great version also by a guy called alvin robinson from new orleans which uh, sounds like a ray charles thing it's, it's excellent but great song great song uh, so he didn't write it no no particular royalties were going to come his way other than through whatever arrangement he had with his uh, with his record company but using fever as the benchmark um the probability is that he, he had a great career ahead of him. Yeah. Lots of R&B hits, some that strayed into the pop charts. Uh, he co-wrote a, co a song called Leave My Kitten Alone. It was recorded by the Beatles. Wow. In 1964, as uh, potentially for Beatles for sale. So if you think about that, at that time, yeah. And he's, he's recorded the song himself, Little Willie John, but the Beatles pick it up, a bit like the Arthur Alexander thing. Yeah. You know, one of the songs that, uh, that they recorded. Now, if only, and this is one of those, like, if only it had appeared on Beatles for Sale, and it didn't. And then it wasn't until 1995 that it actually surfaced on a, uh, a Beatles anthology. Too late for Little Willie John. I don't know how his estate would have uh, benefited from it, but somebody's, you know, somebody's scored at some point, or perhaps there's some, I don't know, jiggery porgery, which means that, you know, the royalties just disappeared in a puff of smoke somewhere, whatever. Uh, yeah, it was a case there of what, what might have been if that had, that had like, set him off on a, on a road of, uh, uh, of people taking an interest in his other songs and so on. So it's purely speculative, of course, yeah, yeah. you know. Leave My Kitten Alone, I think was, uh, I think it was recorded by Elvis Costello. 
as well. Wow. At some point, songs that he that he that he either wrote or uh, recorded. You had people like Eric Clapton were were admirers of him. Um, so the, 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 looking looking at that in terms of how he was regarded in, in reputation, yeah. it was uh, it was it was very very solid and a, a class act. And I, I love his voice, absolutely love his voice. And yeah. there's, if, have you listened to like a, like a greatest hits equivalent on Spotify or whatever? There's some lovely blues drench vocals right. uh, going along there, and the arrangements were, were always rather good. Um, and interestingly, I found out he was involved in the civil rights movement, that he, he was socially conscious, it, it seemed to be, but then the dark side. Uh, Apparently, he had a short temper, abused alcohol, um, drugs, drugs charges against him, and he was on a bit of a, a downward spiral. So there, there was the, the promising side of things, and there, there he was. He was uh, self-destructive. I got, a, I get the picture very clearly about him. Then he got got dropped by his record company in 1963, King Records, there where James Brown started hmm. off on and uh, lots of other great artists. Two years later, gets convicted of manslaughter for a stabbing. Then he dies dies in jail in 1968 of a heart attack. Um, so looking at it, his, perform his performance and recording career only lasted about eight years. And yes, he, d he died at 30. And it's, it's just, just tragic, right. sad. Um, mm. In terms of recognition, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014 as a singer. And then, interestingly enough, in 2016 as a writer. Oh, wow. So, so he, he, he was uh, well regarded. Now, what, what brought, brought him to mind, really, and thinking about the theme that we got was that when you chose, Jeff, when you chose uh, Somewhere Down the Crazy River. Oh, yes. For a play, yeah, Bobby yeah. Robertson. Yeah. And he references Little Willie John. He um, and he and he has been referred to uh, over the years by different artists, either his name and the title, or again reference or, with, or with the lyric. lyric. Yeah. And James Brown actually recorded a tribute album to him uh, about six months after, after Little Willie John died. It's mm. so that it's it, it's it's not frustrating. It's just what you know. You, you're just a music fan, but you just, you just look and think, wow. What what could have been, because you had it, you you were the milk and you were turning it to cream. You you were on your way, yeah. You were on your way, then bump. You know the self-destructive side of it comes into it, and and like in the case of um, um, Frankie Lyman, God knows what happened there. You know, as a youngster, yeah. You know, and what bad influence was put on him. You know, terrible. I, there you go. I think I think what a couple of things strike me. One is if musicians reference musicians, yeah, it's always worth following up. It's always yeah. worth looking. You know, if you're saying what's the difference between use a rather crass thing about milk and cream, well, if you've yeah. got a whole stack of musicians saying either recording their stuff, referencing their stuff, talking about and stuff. You're probably this. Pro they're probably good. Mm. They're probably genuinely yeah. real class, uh, and it's worth hunting it down. 
be interesting yeah. when I when I get into my thing. I think I think I hadn't thought about it, but actually that 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 rule sort of a, a, a applies. Yeah. And that, it's a sort of rule I always have that if if people are talking about them and musicians are talking about them, I I, I make a bit more of an extra effort to go and have a yeah. Yeah. have a look yeah. at me, put some sort of credibility in it. Um, and the other one is is just um, I don't know if you remember the film I know Tony because he recommended it, Inside Lewin Davis. Mm. Oh yes, yes. Which of course is fiction, sort of loosely driven around sort of events. But there's, I mean, if you look at that, that was a classic of a musician who got some talent who just kept slightly taking the wrong decision at, at every chance to take a, a, a fork in the road, took the wrong one, and yeah. you just think, mm, I wonder how often that has happened. You know, didn't lead to death, but you know, led to led led to a, an unfulfilled career yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in fact I'm, I'm just making a mental note to might watch that again because I've yeah very quirky yeah. very quirky film wasn't it but it was yeah uh, yeah. yeah but it was yeah. it was a good one yeah yeah good is that it then Charles is that you done yeah, that's, it. that's it get that oh. milk milk and cream Tony yeah, yeah I'm, I'm following on Charlie's theme there's, there's tragedy linked in <laughs> in my tales really here and uh, well one of them certainly and um and it's you know thinking what charlie said the vagaries of life sometimes just catch up and this you know derail someone whatever the career and you know musicians uh and no exception and probably even more susceptible at times to the vagaries of life yeah uh, so yeah. watch out jeff yeah um <laughs> but, but um yeah my my first one my, my first subject if you like and, and I've, I've seen i've not seen either of these two people that i'm going to talk about but just just let me give you a little insight long career in a band way back to the 60s um takes me back to my youth without a doubt um released six solo albums Contributed to soundtrack of a film, appeared in the film, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, into the UK Music Hall of Fame, autobiography, um, shot in the leg while chasing thieves who'd snatched the purse of his companion in the French Quarter of New Orleans, Louisiana. Have you got him yet? Um, choral album, musical, Night of the Realm. I give you the track, <laughs> Maestro. Raymond Davis yeah. Ah. yeah and um, 
that to me just epitomized the king's raw sound um early sound anyway from the 60s yeah. he kind of went through various stages into of, of uh, social comment and uh, you know socialism uh, english gentlemen you know is restless soul i guess really in that respect um long known um kind of feud is it to put it too strong to feud with his brother dave um and i didn't know this but when i was rehearsing him you know, was researching you know i don't know what he's made up has he made up with with dave sorry tony i, I did read something i'm sure not that long ago, where they were talking about uh, like a reunion tour. Mm. Yeah, I, so I thought I'd read something like that. Reunion, maybe it's a reconciliation tour. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I read that. <coughs> 76 in this month he is, so he's, I think oh, he fulfills right. the criteria in musical terms of in his genre, genre and you know, in, in, in whole range in artistic exploits. Yeah. Um, so I know you saw the musical, Jeff, didn't you, I think? Uh, yeah, it was shocking. Yeah. 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 Did you not enjoy it? No, it was, it was, uh, I, I, I was a big fan of the Kinks. I saw them, mm. I saw them at Manchester Free Trade Hall uh, in their pump. Uh, I was 17 or something like that. I saw him down in Bristol when I was a student a couple of times. A fantastic live band. Oh, okay. uh, because they had the, they were a four-piece, five-piece, but they had a brass section. And, um, and so I, I was really looking forward to that, um, uh, the musical. And I remember hearing him on the radio saying, oh, yeah, you know, he'd, he'd picked the, he'd had a heavy hand on it, you know, and they, he'd picked tracks, um, that helped tell the story. So there were tracks that I knew, things like uh, Sitting in My Hotel, which is off one of the albums, which is a really good track. I think, you know, it's great. Frankly, I, I just didn't think it worked at all. I was really quite disappointed. It, 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 mm. it, it was a bit like any other sort of biopic play, whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. So, um, but that, that shouldn't detract from, from everything he's done. I mean, um, uh, I, I think I mentioned when we were chatting, not, not on one of these pods, uh, Muswell Hillbillies, great country yeah. <laughs> country record yeah. that he wrote, North, yeah. you know, uh, um, and also uh, he got that theatre. He was a, he got that sense when he's in his pomp of being a, a bit of a star, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, everybody's in showbiz, everybody's a star, which was which was a, a live double album which I've got and. Uh, it was great, you know. He'd be singing, yeah. he'd, he'd be he'd be intertwining classic, almost musical songs with with rock yeah. and roll. It was yeah. top man, top man. Yeah. So I think he fulfills the credentials, doesn't he? Really, of of yeah. of cream that's uh, oh. that, that's been long lasting. Without doubt. Yeah. I tell you another yeah. thing, and I don't, and I've never been able to find <laughs> it again, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I hope it's on YouTube. And um, uh, Danny Baker had him had him on uh, 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 as a guest on a, mm. um, 
his Saturday morning program because because I think it was when the the the, the, the theatre show was out and he was doing the, you know, it, it, it's only you know I think he was doing the the PR, and and he, I think he can be a bit cantankerous, can Sir Ray. Yeah, and you sort of got the feeling that at the start that it was like going through the motions a bit. You know, it was probably the sixth interview he'd done about it. And of course, Danny Baker's a, a musical an absolute enthusiast, you know, ex-enemy. And, and it took a bit of a while for him to warm. But there was a moment when, when, uh, when Danny Baker said, right, I've got to play this. And, uh, and, and he said, this is, this is from the actual recording from the studio. God knows how he got his hands on it, where he found it. And, and, and you hear Ray Davis going, uh, no, no, if you, if you hear me, something like, I can't remember the dialogue, but you know, if, if uh, it might be quite twangy, if it's twangy, just let that go. Oh, that's the sound I want. And it, okay. And, uh, and, uh, and the air bass player going, boom, 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 boom. And then to just, so just let it go. If that happens, just let it roll. And you're wondering, what is this? And it starts and it's, it's the, it's the introduction to Waterloo Sunset. And it's like, oh, wow, wow, right. wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, and <laughs> I, I, I sat listening to the car, wow. And, um, and it, 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 play, it played that bit and Danny Baker said to him, he said, I'm telling you, he said, literally the hairs on my neck have stood on end. And it was almost at that point, I thought, yes, yeah, so on mine. Uh, and yours would have been too if you'd have heard it. It was just incredible. Because yeah. yeah. you didn't see it, I didn't see it coming. But the thing was, he warmed at that point. Mm. He warmed at that point. You could tell that sort of, oh right, this guy's, you know, we're not we're not just plowing through a set of half yeah. a dozen questions about this player. This this guy's talk, wants to yeah. talk about music, and it and it went from there. Uh, yeah, interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let me move on. Yes. To um to to my, my next artiste. Mm. Which, and you know, it's a bit unfair to to call this artiste. Mm milk but in terms of what she's achieved and what she might have achieved really otherwise and it could still come yet i mean she's not she's only 40 41 so you know long yeah. way ahead in terms of of achievement um girl from leeds um corinne bailey ray and oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah she had a great opening album which i loved called corinne bailey ray and that was back in 2006. Um, and let's, let's listen to let's listen to a track. So she had that album in 2006. She had another album in two, next album, 2010, The Sea. 
Next album after that, February 2016, that's the third album. Um, the Heart Speaks in Whispers. Uh, so why so, why so little, why so little music really? Why so little from album? She, I mean, she's a lead last. She started a music through church. Not, you know, when you hear church, you think Baptist church, something like that. But to start with, it wasn't, it was called Brethren Church. As she says, very middle class, sings harmonies on a Sunday. But she later transferred to Baptist Church, where she developed a musical talent, really, as a, as a, as a young girl. Um, she might, she, she did contribute to that Herbie Hancock's River, yeah. the Journey Letters. Right. Um, in, Good album. You know, the featured artist on that, which which is a great, great yeah. album. I mean, I don't know very well, but that voice suggests that I can see that match. I can see why. Yeah. It would. Yeah. Um, and she, 2000 and, in 2001, she married a, a local, another local Leeds musician called Jason Ray. Um, and this is where you come to the bit of tragedy, really, and the thing that could, I don't know, could well have derailed her and things might have been very different musically if this hadn't happened. But he, he died in 2008, drugs-related, quite likely accidental, I think, and, um, and life took on a completely different, different track, really. And who knows, that has probably derailed her. Um, but you know, there's, I, mean, I just get that feeling there's a lot of music left in this person really to come. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if she, she really did come back. Um, nominated in 2007 for three Grammy Awards, three Brit Awards, won two Mobo Awards. Um, 2008 won Grammy Award for Album of the Year. Um, you know, that, that work with Herbie Hancock's River. Um, so, you know, a bit unfair to call it, call her the milk, mm. um, because she might still well become the cream, really. Um, yeah. And keep an eye on her. Yeah. yeah. I've, got the, I've got the third album. I'll yeah. read this one. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think what I sensed, I saw on maybe Jules Holland, and then I've seen diff different reviews of the album and her talking about things, including, you know, her hiatus, let, 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 let's call it that. Yeah. Um, and it's a really good album. It's, it, it's just one of those ones where you, you know there's class in there. And hopefully, because uh, what was the year that that came out? Did, did you say? 2016. So it's now four years on. Yeah. Mm, come on, you need to, if you're going to do something, you know, now's the time to do it because absolutely. she yeah. got absolutely lovely voice. Lovely yeah. Voice. Yeah. Not, like a jazz sensibility about things. She probably referenced lots of excellent jazz musicians and singers. Mm. Uh, mm. And yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that, about uh, being on that. Herbie Hancock album, yeah. which is very good. It is very good. Yeah. 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 And 
Herbie Hancock in the mug, is he? No. <laughs> in terms of who you who you want to sing, and it's particularly because it's Johnny Mitchell. You, you you know you want top draw. Hey. Okay. There you go. That's great. I think um, I think to be fair, this this subject is not. There's nothing wrong with milk. Milk. No, it's not failure, is it? It's not. No. Absolutely no. not. We're not talking about. No, no, no. We're not. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about. No. I mean, it comes out from, um, you know, from 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 people that you start. You think, oh, this is good. And yeah. Maybe it's not yet full. Not yet fulfilled its potential. Or, 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 or it's, or it's delivered good stuff consistently. But when I look at this, you know, there's a level above that only few get up yeah. to. But what, yeah. but whatever it doesn't, and it's not failure. So, as you can gather, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bloody guilty about about this. I feel even more guilty. I feel even more. I feel even more guilty when I talk. Not that they'll, not that they'll give two hoops. Um, so I felt a little bit like that when I chose a footballer who had a perfectly good career. Um, and the milk on this for this half uh, uh, were a, a world, worldwide massively successful outfit. Um, you know, if they were to disbanded, but if they were to tour now, they would sell out across the globe. So this is the milk, Jeff. And this is the milk. Yeah. Right. So, so what you could probably see is that my analysis is hopeless. That's all I can say. Anyway. Oh, cream must be a good one. Cream must be a good one. Yeah. Well, let me let me give you the let me give you the milk. West End, of course. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. That was the. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I put that version on. It's uh, live at the BBC. Great, great version of it. And uh, of course, it was off the very first uh, Dire Straits album, 1978. Uh, and I remember at the time thinking, "Wow, this is different." I love, you know, I love that album. It was atmospheric. It was simple, but but brilliant. It was, you know, there was a lot of, I suppose, sort of getting towards, start to get towards that, that new romantic stuff coming through, all the heavily produced stuff. And here was yeah. somebody playing, you know, pretty, you know, felt like something new. It felt vibrant. It was cool. It was great playing, you know, Sultans of Swing, of course, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, just fantastic. 
uh, you know, wow. So I went, what on earth am I doing <laughs> putting these in the, in the pint of milk category? I think, I think despite all the success, and that's what, I just never felt as they developed, they kept that point of difference that they had at that moment in time when they recorded that. It's not to say they didn't record some great songs, but, I, well, you know, and let's face it, you two have been a bit deep and dark with the old uh, you know, <laughs> tragedies. I just, I, I'm not going to give you heroin. I'm not going to give you drugs, alcohol, personal abuse. I'm going to quote, I'm simply going to give you walk of life and, <laughs> and twisting by the pool. <laughs> and that's my point, really. Um, I just thought, I just thought, you know, I know there are decent albums that they come up and there's some really good goods, but you know, twisting by the pole, a bit of Chuck Berry pastiche. <laughs> I think I think you quoted me previously. Here, not Fleur. No. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, and as they as they said to, to George George Best, as the millions poured into their bank account. Not Fleur, how did it come to this? Twisted <laughs> by the book. So, uh, you know, I guess, it's, I guess none of them are that too bothered about it. Although I've got a sneaking feeling that Mark Knopfler knew actually, in the end. When you look at what he's done since, gone back to a lot of rootsy stuff, uh, you know, playing with all sorts of uh, musicians. Uh, I think he, he probably knew that format and that thing had, had run its course and it wasn't you know it, what's wrong with a pop band it's great but but, but con contrast it with how what it felt like a wow that's that's brilliant that first that first album so that's that's all I'm that's all I'm saying mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, uh, dice, dice. Probably, you can afford to go back to it can't you now really yeah yeah, 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 and and it's like you've all said. I mean, am I? I mean, I went to see Mark Knopfler last year. It was fantastic. Mm. Am I saying is is it a comment on the, the bloke's talent or or the band's talent? No, no, no. It's just saying no. didn't quite fulfil perhaps what it what it yeah. what, what could it full fat full fat what, milk, Jeff. Yeah, full fat milk. Full yeah. fat milk. Yeah. What was was that song, Jeff? The equivalent of my "Do you think I'm sexy?" <laughs> I think it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been Charlie. Like a, a what on earth is that? Yes. <laughs> Twisting by the pool, for God's sake. Oh. Anyway. The, no doubt there's a playlist which has got those songs on consecutively. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do you think I'm actually in Twisting by the Pool? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that takes me to the cream. The cream. Uh, now, in, in, I'll tell you a little story. In 1976, I think it was, um, will that be right? 1976? Yeah, I think it was. I got my first car. I bought my first car. It was a Riley Elf. <laughs> oh, Riley. yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically a Mini with a little boot on it, but leather seats, nice, oh. and, a walnut, and a walnut dashboard. Ding dong. Oh. Oh. Um, 
And my mate, Jeff Darwin, who you'll have met, was a BT engineer, so he was good with wires. And uh, of course, I had to have some music in it. So I bought a second-hand tape player, right? And he, fit, he fitted it for me. Uh, I mean, how we've moved on, eh? Um And it sat on the floor. Well, you know, the, the, the transmission <laughs> thing. You put it on the floor. But there was a problem with it. There was some sort of reverse polarity issue. That's as far as my electronic knowledge goes. But it meant that you put it on the floor on the carpet, it was all right. But if it touched a bit of the metal, the whole thing shorted out. <laughs> so, so we've got round this by hollowing out a piece of uh, a, a polystyrene box and hollowing it out. So my unit was then pushed into this polystyrene box, which stopped it just in stopping it shorting out. That's the quality that I was playing. Uh, and I only had a few tapes. Um, but the one tape that I had, uh, and, I, and it was, a, it was a, an album that was recorded in 1972, and I played it over and over again, was Can't Buy a Thrill by Steely Dan. And I just, I just loved it. I just thought it was fantastic. Jazzy, soulful, it swung. The lyrics were intriguing. I didn't work out what was going on. The production was just incredible. I still think... I still think it was probably one of the best debut albums nice. you know, uh, that's ever been. It was quality, sort of start, start to finish. They were a band in those days, uh, uh, as you know, but latterly it became Walter Becker and Donald Fagin plus session musicians. So as they as they progressed, uh, but even even on even on that first album, they had session players as well, and. Um, in fact, Elliot Randall, who played the guitar, uh, that fantastic guitar on Reeling in the Years, uh, lives in London now. And uh, when I, I went to see them last year at Wembley, well, see them, see Donald Fagin and the current uh, uh, Steely Dan. And uh, they brought him on at the end because he lived around the corner and he did Reeling in the Years. It was like, yeah. wow, that blistering solo. Um, I, yeah. I saw him uh, once. He had a band called uh, Randall's Randall's Island. All right. I think they've had one album out. They would have been supporting somebody. I mean, I'm going back a long time, but I can't think. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So oh, I, saw, wow. I saw them. Yeah, back then. Randall's course, Island. For me, why they, they were the real deal is is just they kept writing and performing and producing great songs and, and great albums but they never seem to stay in the same place, uh, you know, and, or did, neither did they dumb down. So if I take my twisted by the pool analogy, they never dumbed anything down. They always moved on. They did something, did something else. They always kept the core of what they did, but they, they sort of built on it, always accessible. Um, uh, I mean, Asia, uh, which they recorded in 1978, you know, it's virtually a jazz album, but yeah. you don't need to be a jazz fanatic to listen to that and enjoy it. I mean, I'm certainly not, you know, I don't listen to it, but that is just, it's just great. Um, and, and even when you carry on up to, you know, Royal Scam and all the other stuff, and then you get to things like the, the, the Nightfly, you know, when, which was the solo album, Donald Fagan, another, another yeah. great, great album. Marvellous. Yeah, I managed to see them, I managed to see them twice actually. So let me play the track because uh, this is neither on Asia. I think this is off the Royal Scam, if I remember. But 
mine and every, a lot of folks' favourites. Um, So that was, uh, as you'd probably guessed, Kid Charlemagne. It's interesting when I when I saw them uh, first time I saw them, uh, which was 20 years ago, I think it was. Uh, and I, you know, I'm one who likes to see a band play and you know improvise. They did a great version of da 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 da. When they when they did Kid Charlemagne, I was oh no, he didn't play exactly those notes on the solo that I, because. <laughs> It's one of those tracks. It's only got two two guitar so got two two guitar solos in it. Got a great one in the middle. I mean, the solo on the playout is it, like how can how can you throw how can you toss this away just on the out on the you know on there? It's it just fantastic. Which was uh, which was called which was of course Larry Larry Carlton um, yep. uh, played on that. But just fantastic, and uh, and also did I think I sent you Charlie? I sent you both that. Uh, uh, off YouTube, the, the first time it's called, where the, where American young American oh. stu students, yeah, uh, yes, pick pick some old <laughs> folks' music and listen to it for the first time, and <laughs> yeah. just listening to them, listen to Steely Dan, and going, wow, what is this? Yeah. You know, really good, really good, yeah. So that was it. That's what that's 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 me, Steely Dan that's for me, yeah. Cream, yes. But Yes, Jeff. And I, I mentioned uh, Jeff because that album Royal Scam, I think it's very, very strong. Mm. And the, the the title track Royal Scam, that that to me was kind of uh, this is because Asia was next, wasn't it? Yes, uh, it was. Yes, yes. It was like then a lead. That to me was like a leading track to Asia because it was just oh, yeah. just a, a, a fabulous construction. Yeah, if I can put it that way, and just the, the arrangements on it, and wow, absolutely terrific. Yeah, interestingly, when I was looking at gathering a bit more on Wikipedia, um, uh, dare I say, Mark, Mark Knopfler played, I can't remember which album, but he did play uh, on oh, right. one of their albums somewhere back in the track, and of course, a whole host of other people who've, who've done session music, you know, Michael McDonald on Peg and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, just. Just great. Perfectionists, I think, is how you'd describe it. Mm. Yeah. And that album of, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, of Asia, you know, that I think we've talked about it before, but that DVD of classic albums. Yes. You know, where dissect it. And wow, that's that's so good. That shows you how clever and how tuned in their ears are. And, you know, yeah. that won't do. No, no, yes, maybe, yes, right, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's it's you a string or guitars or whatever. Marvelous. There's a, there's a few things on YouTube if you you know if you're looking for stuff that deconstruct you know, deconstructs their stuff, which is amazing to watch. Uh, 
amazing anybody who's clever enough to deconstruct it as well. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's yeah. All right. So let's bring yeah. this to a close because yeah. we've banged on a bit this week. Um, uh, so my summary here is, first of all, that milk, the milk is all good. So yeah, go yeah. And, So our, our, our message to anybody listening, go and listen to that. Go and listen to uh, Corin Bailey Ray and go and listen to Frankie Lyman. Go and listen to that early Dire Straits stuff because it's terrific stuff. So we're not criticising mm. that at all. Uh, but definitely, um, my take on, on Little Willie John, Ray Davis and um, uh, Steely Dan or Becker and Fagan is, uh, they're all, not only they all class, you, you can imagine they would all listen to each other because they're quite mm. different styles, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're very yeah. different styles of music. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But you, you can imagine that they would all listen and acknowledge and enjoy yeah, true. Each, each other's. And that, for me, is the, the ultimate definition yeah. of, of, uh, of, of class. Yeah. In, and, and in a way, Jeff, thinking about the likes of, say, if the likes of Willie John, it's, it's still been around in 1995 or whenever, 2000. Uh, the likes of Eric Clapton and so on would have been, need to get him on. Yeah. What's his voice like? Has he still got it? Yeah. Blah 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 blah. They've been around, and uh, I think a lot, a lot of people, a lot of musicians would have been keen on him participating in albums and at least one track or duetting or doing whatever. You doing know. something. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So that's it. So we'll uh, we'll uh, meet up again next week and uh, yeah. pick up pick up from there. In the meantime, so we'll see you all next week. Yeah. See, see you. Right. Okay. Cheerio, boys. Red rain, it turns to blue.